Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Jeff R. Steele. Dr. Steele is the senior pastor of Redeeming Grace Church of Coleman, Alabama. He's a conference speaker, owner of the Christian music group The Steels, and an award-winning singer and songwriter. Now, here's Dr. Steele. John chapter 15. This morning I'd like to speak to you on an unusual topic. Abraham was one, and we can be two. What is it that he was that we can also be? A friend of God. You and I can be called a friend of God. We'll take our text this morning from beginning in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 15. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Verse 14 says, you are my friend if you do whatever I've commanded you. Did you hear that? Jesus said, you are my friend if you do whatsoever I have commanded you. Now in James chapter 2 and verse 23, the Bible says that in order to fulfill the prophecy, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness sake and he was a friend of God. David was the greatest king Israel ever had and he was even called a man after God's own heart but David was never called a friend of God. John the Baptist, the scripture says, of him there was never a greater man that was born of a woman than John the Baptist. Yet John the Baptist was never called a friend of God. Yet Abraham was specifically called in scripture a friend of God. Think about that for just a minute how unbelievable it is that it would be said of any creature that they were a friend of the Creator. A man who was scooped up in the hand of the Creator and put together from the dust of the earth and his breath was literally breathed into him by the Creator and yet it was said of that creature that that creature was a friend of the Creator. Abraham was a friend of God. The New Testament says Jesus is a friend of sinners. Philemon says he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But that's his friendship toward us. What about our friendship toward him? Because we can be. Abraham was a man just like we are men. And he was called the friend of God. We, you and I, can also be called the friend of God. How do we do it? Jesus said, you are my friend if you do whatsoever I command of you. The first thing we need to notice this morning is what is not said in that scripture. Jesus said, you are and can be my friend if you do whatsoever things I've commanded you to do. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, you are my friend if you do not do the things I have told you not to do. He didn't put the emphasis on 
don't, he put the emphasis on do. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is telling about the judgment of the Gentiles someday. And here's what he says. He's okay, guys. Someday when the Son of Man comes in all of his glory, all the nations of the world are going to be gathered before him and he's going to take the sheep and put them on his right side and he's going to put the goats on his left side. And he's going to say to the sheep, listen, he's going to say to the sheep, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the sheep who are receiving their rewards at that very moment are going to say, when were you hungry and we fed you? When were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? When were you in prison and we came to you? And Jesus, listen, he said, the king is at that point going to say, if you have done it, to the least of these, then you have done it unto me. Saul was knocked down by a blinding light on the road to Damascus. It completely enveloped him. It paralyzed him. It blinded him. And in the midst of all that chaos that was his conversion, he asked this one question. Lord, what will you have me to do? What will you have me to do? Jesus said, if you love me, you will do whatsoever things I've commanded you to do. You can be my friend if you do what I have commanded you to do. Now listen, folks, I get it. We're against some things, and we ought to be. But I'm talking about being a friend of God, and Jesus is talking about being a friend of God. I spent the better part of my ministry in the decade of the 90s preaching against stuff. I mean... I was known all over the country. If you want somebody to come in and nail that door shut about all that sinning people are doing, get old Steele in there. He can nail them to the wall. Today is, or would have been, Tony Green's 42nd birthday. He was buried two weeks ago. And I communicated with his wife just before we came in this morning that when I saw his name come up on my Facebook that he was celebrating his first birthday in heaven. I didn't really know how to react to that because, I mean, he just was buried within the last few days. But I'll never forget, we were at the National Quartet Convention one year. I was walking down the aisle, thousands of people were there. And Tony Green walked up to me and he says, Jeff, he said, you're against everything. You're even against Santa Claus. I could preach against everything. But you know what? Folks, i got to be honest with you. I loved it because, and listen, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but here's the truth. You don't have to have a bit of biblical knowledge to preach against everything. If you're going to preach the message, don't smoke, don't drink, don't carouse, don't gamble, don't chew, that takes no biblical insight whatsoever. It's easy. Just stand up every week and give folks a good hard whooping about all they ought not to be doing. That's easy preaching. Anybody can do that. Anybody can knock somebody's head off. And not only is it easy, it's popular. Listen, the folks that are not doing what you're preaching against, they'll love you. They'll cheer, amen. They'll cheer and hoot and holler if you'll just keep preaching on that stuff. It's popular, it's easy, and it doesn't take any biblical knowledge really at all. Just preach against stuff all the time. Talk about what we're against. Talk about what we're standing in the road trying to be an impediment for. That's easy. It's popular. 
But I'm going to give a word of advice to any prospective preachers we have in here. I used to have an old boy in my church in McGee, Mississippi. He's gone on to eternity now. Mr. Earl Warren, he would walk out the back door of the church every Sunday, shake my hand, and he'd say, I had a good preaching, son. They needed that one. I never preached the sermon that Earl needed, but I always preached one everybody else needed. I'm going to tell you something. If you want to be a preacher in good standing and you're going to preach against everything, go ahead and do that, but don't slip up and preach against the one thing that the group that loves to hear you preach against stuff is involved in. They'll find a scriptural reason for you to feel the need to go somewhere else. Everybody loves you to preach against stuff that they're not doing, but if you ever zero in on something they are doing, they'll just ship you off to another place. Jesus said, you're my friend if you do. Whatsoever things I've commanded you to do. Listen, I'm afraid we spend so much time in the church, and we have for a long time, not this church, I'm talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We spend so much time talking about what we're not for, talking about what we're against, talking about what we will not tolerate. I'm, I'm just afraid people don't have any idea what we are for. I'm afraid we haven't done a good enough job articulating the position of what we stand for and what we are for. We are for people being saved. We are for people having their lives changed. We are for the cross of Christ being preached as the method whereby which men and women and boys and girls can be saved. We are for the message of Jesus Christ being the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, I'm against some things. I'm against pornography. It's insidious, it's horrible, and it's caused our girls in 40 years to now dress every day in school like in such a way Playboy magazine wouldn't have put in their magazine 40 years ago. I'm against that. But everybody I know that's got a problem with pornography already knows they've got a problem. They don't need a preacher to come in and give them a right hook and a left jab to tell them they got a problem. They already know they have a problem. Everybody out there that's got a problem already knows they have a problem. They're not interested in having their problems identified. They want to know what the answer is. What's the solution? What can I do to make it right? And until we can articulate with at least as much clarity the argument that says Jesus is the only way to make your life right, we need to shut our mouths about all their problems. They already know what they are. Jesus said, you're my friend if you do whatever I've commanded you to do. There's an old English proverb that said, he is my friend who grinds at my mill. Jesus didn't say, don't do what I didn't tell you to do. He said, you're my friend if you do what I've told you to do. Number two, it's not about our sacrificing. It's about what we do. He didn't say you're my friend if you give up a bunch of stuff. He didn't say you're my friend if you sacrifice everything. He said, you're my friend. And don't argue with me. This is what he said. He said, you're my friend if you do whatever I've commanded you. Now, that word do in the linear text in the Greek, and that's the way it is here, in the linear text, it really means if you do and keep on doing what I've told you to do. If you do and keep on continuing to do whatsoever I have told you to do. Not once, but keep on doing. Keep at it. Keep praying. Keep reading your Bible. Keep winning souls to Jesus. Keep tithing. Continue giving. And you know what? That's within everybody's reach. You don't have to have a great education to keep on praying. 
You don't have to have a great education to keep on winning people to Jesus. You don't have to have a great education to keep on reading your Bible and tithing of your income to God. You don't have to have a great education for that. You don't have to be rich to do that. You don't have to meet any special qualifications to do that. Anybody can be a friend of God by continuing to do what they already know to do. Anybody can do that. And don't forget the emphasis is on doing it and keep on doing it. You know what bothers me? What bothers me are people who come to church on Christmas. We don't see them again till Easter. They're not doing it and keeping on doing it. They're doing it here and waiting a while doing it there. What bothers me are kids that go off to camp during the summertime, and I may as well walk over here and say this. What bothers me are kids that go off to camp in the summertime and get red hot and all fired up and revved up for God, come back and three months later, you look around and you say, my goodness, where'd that group go? Where are they? They can get excited about camp, but they can't get excited about doing it and continuing to do it. Do it and do it and do it. Now listen, I'm proud of every one of y'all that are here, but I'm the pastor of a church. I've got to tell you the truth. We have church here on Sunday night, just like we have it on Sunday morning. We have it here on Wednesday night. Many of you come for that. But we have church here two or three times a week. And I'd encourage you to be here for every service to do it and to keep on doing it. Don't just show up for a little while after you get back from centrifuge. Don't just show up for a little while and get excited right after that. But do what you did when you came back and keep on doing it. Jesus said, then you can be my friend if you not only do it, but keep on doing it. We got a lot of folks that want to do it a little bit and then get off of it. Now, I'm not saying you can't be saved. We're talking about being a friend of God. We're talking about how do I become a friend of God? First of all, Jesus said, do. But he said it in the tense that said, not only do it, but to keep on doing it. Then he said, if you do whatsoever. Now, Abraham was called a friend of God. We're trying to get where he was. He was a friend of God. How do we become a friend of God? Well, one day God showed up and he said to Abraham, I want you to take all your stuff and go to a land and I ain't going to tell you where it is. I want you to go somewhere you don't even know where it is. Just start going. As you move, I'll tell you where to go. And Abraham got up and went. Whatever. I have commanded. He did whatever. God told him to get up and go somewhere. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. And he got up and went. wonder how many of us today would get up and go to a job. God says, I want you to go to a job, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Or I want you to go to a job, and maybe we think it's beneath us. It's not everything we think we deserve. Would we do it? Jesus said, you're my friend. If you do whatever I've commanded you to do. He commanded Abraham to go somewhere. He wouldn't tell him where he was going, and Abraham went. One day he came by and commanded Abraham. He said, oh, yeah, that son of promise, the one that's going to, the seed of which is going to bless many nations and number the stars of the heavens and the sands by the sea. I want you to take him, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Go to the top of the mountain and put a stake through his heart. I want you to sacrifice that child to me. As if to put the emphasis on his obedience, the Bible says Abraham, the friend of God, got up early the next morning. In other words, I'm not only going to be obedient, I can't wait to be obedient. I'm not going to get up at 9 or 10 o'clock. Right now, early in the morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to be obedient today. And he went to obey whatever, whatever was commanded. Jesus said, you are my friend if you do 
whatsoever things I have commanded you to do. Now in John 15, he listed three specific things that he wanted us to do. He said, if you do whatsoever things I've commanded, you can be my friend. What was the first one? Well, we find the first one. I believe it's John chapter 15, verse 4, where Jesus says, if you abide in me. Now let me ask you, are you abiding in him today? Well, let me phrase it like this. I know you've prayed today. This is church day. This is the day you set aside and give everything to God. But for the life of me and for the life of you, if I were to put a gun to your head, did you pray even one time yesterday? Did you abide in him yesterday? Got any plans to abide in him tomorrow? Let me ask you this. I know you've prayed today. This is God's day. This is the holy day. I know you've put your knee on the ground and prayed today. Oh, God, give us a great service today. God bless our worship. I know you prayed today before all the money in the world. Have you even got a memory of praying one time yesterday? Are you abiding in him? Jesus said, you're my friend if you do whatsoever things I've commanded. He said, abide in me. In this very same section of scripture abide in me are you abiding in him you know there's another place where that word translated from the greek abide is used it's used in john chapter 14 verse 2 where jesus said in my father's house are many mansions same word translated mansion is the same word translated here from the greek abide you get that live abide mansion house where do you live? You live in a house. We will live in a mansion. We will abide there. In other words, Jesus is saying, I want you to mansion in me. Mansion in me. You know what that means? That means your life abiding in him today ought to be a foretaste of heaven. Your Christian life right now ought to be a foretaste of what you're going to experience in heaven. Well, now we know why. So many people don't get very excited about heaven. Because if your life now, abiding in Christ, is a foretaste of what you're going to have there, it's got to be pretty bad. It's got to be pretty bad. Nothing to get excited about. Are you abiding in him? Jesus said, you're my friend if you do whatsoever things I've commanded. One of the things he commanded was to abide in him. There's one other thing he commanded in here too, same section of scripture. He says, if you're abiding in me, you will, number two, bear much fruit. Bear much fruit. In your life, if you want to be his friend, you must bear much fruit. Now, I know somebody just said, bear much fruit. Man, my kids aren't even saved bear much fruit. My neighbors don't go to church and I've never once even asked them to come and visit with me here. Bear much fruit. I know the offering plate passed by me this morning and I know I didn't put anything in there. Even though God's blessed me with a job, blessed me with income, blessed me with health, I did not even give God what belonged to him, the first fruits of my income, my tithe. I didn't even do that. You talk about much fruit, I didn't even do that. Listen, folks, bearing much fruit is not always about what others can see and cheer you on about. Sometimes bearing much fruit is the things you do in secret. 
that tithing, that giving in the offering plate that nobody is supposed to know about. Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand does. Let your giving be in secret. Let your praying be in secret. Let your fasting be in secret. All of that needs to be in secret. It's nothing you'll ever be cheered on about. It's nothing you'll ever be given an award for. But it's something that in your own heart, you can know you are bearing much fruit because you are doing what you've been commanded to do by Christ. Are you abiding in him? Are you bearing much fruit in public or private? Are you bearing much fruit? And then there's one more thing Jesus said. If you love me, if you want to be my friend, not him be our friend, that's already in scripture, but us be his friend, we're going to love one another. That was in the text that we read. This is my commandment that you love one another. He said, you're my friend if you do whatever I command you. Two verses earlier, he said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Let me ask you this. What if, uh, Doug, what if I came to you and I said, brother, I love you, but I can't stand your boy, Stephen. He makes me sick. I don't like to be around him. I don't like the demands he makes. He's always in my face telling me to do something, do something. I love you, Doug, but I don't like, we wouldn't have a very good relationship, would we? Because if you're gonna say you love me, you're also gonna love my son. Many of us in the esoteric sense, we want to talk about how much we love God. Well, that's the easy part. The Bible says no man has ever seen God at any time. We don't have a lot of responsibility there. We can't see him. So we say, oh, we love God. We stand for God. We want to serve God. And then Jesus says, if you want to be my friend, keep my commandments. Do whatsoever things I tell you to do. You're not going to get away with loving God and disliking his son. You got to love his son. The one who died, the Lord Jesus Christ, and then love one another. This is if you want to be a friend of God, and if you could care less about being a friend of God, this will mean nothing to you. You know why people don't like the church very much? Because every time they come down here, all they hear is us criticizing each other. Jesus said, love one another, and all we do is criticize one another. And listen, there's nothing, nobody worse at this than preachers. There's nobody worse at criticizing other preachers than preachers. If you've ever been at a burger joint or a Waffle House or some kind of restaurant where preachers can fit one on one side and one on the other and listen to them run one another down, it's absolutely shameful. It ought to never be. Jesus said, if you want to be my friend, love one another and preachers lead the way in chopping one another down. I was meeting with a group of preachers not too long ago. And they got talking about other preachers, and I just got up and left. And one of them hollered at me, where are you going? I said, you know what? I said, I made it up in my mind. I'm not going to be a part of any more gab clubs where all you preachers do is sit around and talk about one another and talk each other down the road. I said, and I want you to know, brother preacher, and I want you to know, brother preacher, and I want you to know, brother preacher, that if I'm ever at one and your name comes up and they start talking you down, I'm going to get up and walk out on that meeting just like I'm walking out on this one. God give all of us the gumption to be able to say, you know what, I'm not going to listen to this anymore. 
I'm not going to hear what negative comes out of your mouth about this one over here. I'm just going to get up and walk away. You can talk it with your mouth, but I will not use my ears as the receptacle for what you are saying. Are there any of God's kids that you don't love? You know what? We're talking about being a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God, only one in the scripture of whom it says he was a friend of God. Are there any of God's kids that you don't love? Guess what? You can't be a friend of God and not love me. I can't be a friend of God and not love you. Because Jesus said, you are my friend if you do whatever things I've commanded you. And right before he said that, he said, love one another as I have loved you. You want to be a friend of God? Let's talk about what we do. And then let's do something. Let's don't put all our emphasis on sacrificing. As much as I love sacrificing, as much as I love to preach against what I'm, what I'm against, Jesus said, you're my friend if you do whatever things I've commanded you. Will you do whatever he says? Will you abide in him? Will you bear much fruit? And will you love one another? Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you'd like to contact Dr. Steele, you can go to his website at jeffrsteel.com. If you'd be interested in Dr. Steele coming to speak or having the Steels minister at your next event, there's a booking inquiry form there. You may also call the office at 256-590-2068.